0: Folks, for the last year or so, you have heard me talk about, I think we are in for something akin to the early 80s and the SNL crisis. This is not, I repeat, not a repeat of the global financial crisis. Uh, And uh, what we're going to have today is we're going to have somebody that actually cut his bones or got his bones in the 80s. We have Tom McKay, Flip Anything USA. We're going to talk about buying and selling real estate in the 80s, which is something I have zero experience in. How are you doing, Tom? Thank you for being here.
1: Hey, very good, Michael. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, So do us a favor. Kind of tell us tell us when you began. Tell us what was going on in the 80s because obviously a lot of the YouTube viewership skews younger and probably were not even born, let alone buying real estate. So so tell us about what was happening in the U.S. economy in the 80s and uh, what was going on in the real estate market, the S&L crisis, all of that. What do you remember from the 80s?
1: I remember it really well. I mean, first of all, I was, I mean, the first property I bought, I was 19 years old and that was in 1981. Oh, wow. uh, And so I got involved. What happened was I dropped out of high school. I got to think about this for a second. Mm -hmm. I dropped out of high school in about 1980, about 1979, I dropped out of high school. And so I was 17 and then I went to work for a cabinet shop and my boss, you know, times started getting really tough back then too. Uh, we had gas shortage kind of thing going that you could get gas if you had odd number plates, you could, yeah, get
0: every gas other day, right? Yeah, days.
1: yeah, a lot of yeah. people don't know that story, it kind of dates yeah. you a little bit, but uh, but that's how it was. And so, and so, uh, I, you know, my boss went under and I was sharing a duplex with a buddy of mine. It had a single car garage, so I jumped in there, and I started building cabinets, and then I quickly outgrew a tiny little, you know, cabinet, you know, a a garage, so I looked for another place to to start up, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have any credit, I was young, I wasn't connected, don't come from a family of money, and, uh, but I graduated to a little bit bigger space, and then, you know, I was determined to make it in business and it's very difficult to start a company with no connections or money and so uh, i was surviving though and then but things got a little bit tighter and i couldn't afford to at least keep a home and keep my business so i moved into the shop that i ran yeah. I lived in one of the offices and then wow. the landlord got wind that I was living in the office and he says, Hey Tom, man, I really like you." He goes, but I'm afraid this place could catch on fire and you're going to get killed and I'm going to get sued. Right. <laughs> so he said, could you please find another place? So, uh, so I started looking for another place to rent and, uh, uh, Bob Dennis, realtor with uh, Coldwell Banker, uh, I, I found him, and, and me and him started touring properties, looking, and so he pulls up to this, you know, nice building, and it actually happened to be the building that I had previously worked in, my mm-hmm. boss had actually gone to the point that he lost it, you know, they oh. they foreclosed and took it away, and so uh, I go, wow, well, yeah, he says, what about this, I go, wow, well, it's too big, he says, well, how'd you like to buy it, and I go, I'm like, look at that. <laughs> Uh, I go. I got hair by? down to here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I go, I'm, barely, I'm worried about how I'm going to cover the rent, you know. Yeah. And he says, "Well, maybe we can figure something out." He goes, "You know, they're probably open to owner financing." And I'm like, "Ah," oh, and I'd heard a little bit about that before, but you know, uh, I said, "Well, let's talk about that." And so, so this building was uh, 5,900 square feet, 3,500 square foot of metal building, uh, front was 2,400 square foot of stucco. Uh, and this is back when interest rates were coming down from 16%. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was very expensive. And so I, I was oblivious to all that. I, you know, I just didn't know because that was new to me. And mm-hmm. so we get to talk and I says, well, let's I'll, I'll make an offer I can afford. I said, I can raise 10 grand in six months if I can take occupancy in the building mm-hmm. for the next six months and uh and then I thought of ways to motivate him. there was graffiti on the outside there was a broken window and I said, look i'll I'll take care of the building I'll make sure there's no more graffiti. I'll keep it safe, but we'll do a six month escrow owner you know for me to have access to it And uh, to my surprise they accepted And mm. so basically I took occupancy with five hundred bucks and I moved in and uh, and now it's still a struggle because now I had a Uh, You know, I paid one hundred and ten thousand dollars for that building. And uh, well, this is what, what was really cool. And this is what really lit a fire under me as I, I, uh, you know, I got it. I closed it. I was super excited. I re, I mean, I remember this day going in, you know, and just going, ah, yeah, it's mine. You know, <laughs> And, and, uh, and, but now I had a payment. I, you know, and, yeah. now I have a payment. and so I went up to the front of the building and I'm wiggling the sign and, and I'm pulling the sign up out at the front of the building. Yeah. And this guy pulls up and he says, he thought I was putting the building. He thought I was putting yeah. this in. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> And he says, hey, he goes, how much do they want for this thing? I said, ah, it's not for sale. I said, I just bought it. And he says, "Really?" he goes, what you pay for And I said, I paid $110,000. And he goes, $110,000? He goes, he goes, I'll give you $20,000 more than you just paid for it. And I'm like, wow. You know, but it, Now, I was starting a cabinet shop. or I was actually well into my cabinet business now. And I, that was all I dreamed about was having a cabinet business at the time, you know, and, but it stuck. I go, ah, oh, yeah, it just reassured me that I made a great decision. And uh, so that stuck. And then I just kept looking for more property after that. Uh, but the other thing was, is I, you know, the, the big thing was I became aware that I could buy a property without credit, uh, owner financing, you no know, credit checks. And then I learned when business got tough, I was late on my payments didn't show on my record, didn't hurt my credit because it was hidden. And uh, so then I just really doubled down. uh, And I would say in a very small area, uh, I bought a building two or three doors down from me. First, first of all, I'll tell you what, I still didn't have money. I was struggling in business. So I took a partner and uh, I would find a deal and I'd say, Hey, and he, and we're talking buying stuff anywhere from 25, Nah, maybe 35 to 70,000. And so uh, I started finding some little deals and, uh, you know, he we would buy it and then sell it and then buy it. And then one of them, he said, I want to keep it. I said, well, there's 15 grand here. Give me 7,500. And, you know, and I, I took him. And then pretty soon I had about 30, 40 grand just off that deal that I did with him. And, uh, and then I found an FHA loan, found an FHA property. And a really good deal was like I don't know thirty four thousand. I could sell it for maybe fifty six or something. But the beautiful thing about FHA loans at that time—now we're about nineteen eighty three, okay? Because I okay. want to keep you in the eighties here. Yeah. And and so this is probably—and I, I couldn't even tell you this in exact order, but uh, it, and I uh, and I find out well the FHA loan, all FHA loans at that time that were made, say in the seventies and 80s, they were assumable. Mm-hmm. They were there was no alienation clause, so. I said, hey, I can buy this without my partner. Yeah. <laughs> so I bought that one and then I flipped that. And then uh, I graduated to, uh, I, I found a, uh, another real nice building. I found a building, uh, again, all these are a rock throw from each other. You know, I right. mean like a rocks throw, literally. And I found a industrial, hardware store kind of suddenly disappeared and uh, nobody could find them. They were going under... Well, I found living in a trailer way out in the outskirts in the desert and uh, hit them up, made a deal to buy it, hit the people that were owner financing it for them. They didn't want to carry a note uh so i'm like i got to get the money but i got the rights to buy it i figured it was worth 220 i was buying it for about 150 uh so who has money of course my old employer right so i looked at my old employer uh, john Brooks, really great guy And you know, rest in peace he died too young uh but really really great guy and i i so i said hey john man come look at this thing and he and when john died by the way he was probably worth 100 million in in real estate and this wow. is probably 20 years ago when he died and <clears throat> So I said, John, please come out, come out. So he comes out and he takes a look at the little hardware store and he said, Hey, Tommy. Yes, he called me Tommy. He goes, Tommy, he goes, This is a really good deal. And uh, and I go, Great. I go, Man, let's buy it. We'll sell it. We'll make some money. And he goes, But I don't want a part. And I was kind of like, You don't want a part? I go, Huh? <laughs> you know, and he goes, He goes, Hey, how about I just give you $20,000 and I'll just buy it by myself? Okay. And I'm like, <laughs> That's a fantastic idea. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that introduced me to what people call wholesaling now. Yeah. I call it just assignments. You know, it's a chapter yeah. in my book is assignments. And so uh, so signed that to him. And, you know, and, and now I just kept, you know, rolling. And then, you know, I'm in the desert community. And I, you know, I started looking more and more. Uh, so I started buying land. And so uh-huh. I bought 30 acres for... Uh, I bought 10 acres for 30 grand, sold it for 160. I bought 70 acres for, that was the last wow. deal I did in the 90s, which and I'll show something because I, I talked to this about my students. So this yeah. is a book. This is wow. stuffed with notes yeah. that, that are just where I bought land, yeah. resold it and carried back a note. Yeah. And uh, so I want to kind of give you in, in sequential order here. Uh, so then I finally at 25, I got a real nice house for myself. And uh, I found a house, a uh, hard luck story, divorce, which is also something that comes into play for bringing about deals, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I got my first house when I was 25. It was in an area where doctors and lawyers lived. It's called Somerset, beautiful place, into the cul de sac, kidney shaped pool, big and beautiful. Well, I bought that. And that was my, that was a big milestone because that was the first time I went to a bank. And they actually gave me a loan and rates had dropped now to like nine and a quarter for an owner occupied property, 25% down, no PMI. And so I bought that first property. Again, I got a pretty good deal on it. And, but I realized, and I realized it was pretty interesting. I was doing so well, so young, because that's pretty young now. And uh, a buddy of mine had come over to the house and on the way in a couple of old guys 40, you know, that we uh, they were yeah. working down the street and they said, Hey, where are you going? You got a job here? And he go, no, I'm going to see McKay. And they go, McKay lives down here. And, uh, they, uh, and, and the one guy says, ah, he must be selling drugs. The other one said, yeah. all right, or he's got to have somebody backing him." But that's how well I was doing at such a young age that yeah. people thought those things, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. So I knew yeah. so, anyway, I was fired, but I was, I knew I was doing something right. Uh, and then
0: from there, uh i began to well well let's let's stop there for a minute because i think there's a couple of things that i want to kind of hit on because i see a lot of similarities like i said in the open to the 80s and not the global financial crisis right sure so in the 80s what people don't realize is the economy got really rough and it was rough for years right it wasn't just this sudden you know v-shape down and v-shape up It was down. It was rough. It was gas lines. It was high unemployment. It was, you know, it was, it was rough for years. I I remember I was, I was young in the 80s, but I remember the, I remember the gas lines. It's like, no, Michael, we can't go there because we have an odd number. We have to go tomorrow. Yeah, you were
1: little. You were in the backseat then.
0: I was in the backseat. I wasn't driving, right? I wasn't driving. And, uh, but I remember, I remember like, why can't we get gas? It's just all crazy stories. But the economy was rough. And while today I think the U.S. economy is at least statistically speaking okay, it could get bad in a hurry, right? The consumer is stretched, rates are up, the 10 years up again today, so it could get rough. What what I took second is in your story, and it's a lot like today, is kind of office and industrial got whacked first, right? Which meant layoffs and people had to downsize and people lost businesses. But again, where there's great pain, there's great opportunity. So I think of San Francisco. I would touch San Francisco with a 10-foot pole, but somebody's going to make a billion dollars buying distressed assets in San Francisco eventually. Um, I think there's a lot of pain out there in office, obviously. um, But we're seeing – pain's not spread evenly. There's a lot of pain. And where there's great pain, there's opportunity. What do you think?
1: Yeah, well, that's one thing where I differ from a lot of people. A lot of people are are data driven, and, and and I look at data too, not a ton, but I mean, I do look at data. The things that affect me are interest rates, of course, mm-hmm. um, but you can have areas that are devastated take for instance where i started out there in lancaster big aircraft if yep. they didn't if they had a big cancellation on a contract to build some seven, whatever 747 767s uh it was devastating to that area and because everybody's family you know worked there you know and and that sort of thing so i'm more of a, a, a i'm driven by my 20 square miles cuz i don't go far sure i buy everything nearby and so that is probably what i mostly focus on is what's what's going yeah. on around me and sure. and i was just looking at a report on uh, like property values dropping right now and so if you look like i'm right now i'm in, i'm in austin texas well austin texas is weathering things really well and it's because we have a lot of high paid people you know i've never seen i mean uh, I, I, there's so many people here that make anywhere from 150 to 400,000 a year. And that's a regular job around here. Wow. You know, engineer and tech is big money. And uh, so I couldn't relate to making that kind of money when I was self employed, you know what I mean? As a, as <laughs> yeah. A carpenter. So, uh, uh, so the, the as far as, uh, uh, you know that com- comparing it, you want to stake in the '80s here just a little bit. Well, I just want-, want to do
0: it because there's a lot of stuff that you shared with us in your story, right? Going through your time was again where there was there was great pain. Uh, clearly, the cabinet shop was closing down. You negotiated, sweetheart. You occupied it for six months so you can save cash. What I want people to take from that is where there is opportunity, you it's 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 not always about price. Sometimes it's terms. And I would argue in an environment where there's motivated sellers, people should focus on terms a lot more than the price. Now price is obviously important, but I don't think enough people today, Tom, have the creativity and flexibility that you just displayed in in five minutes. Because it is really about how you can structure the terms that are win-win for both parties.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I, you know, it, it depends. I'm a total price-driven guy. Now, okay. where terms might matter is if it's something I'm going to carry for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I'll explain. So if I have an asset that I'm going to buy and I intend to hold it for a very long time, it, it, the interest rate makes a huge difference because mm-hmm. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to make it up over the long term. And I'll give you an example. I bought an apartment complex one time. Uh, the wife of the the seller, the sellers. Uh, and it's actually, it was a newsman in California, I think George Lewis, maybe I can't remember. Anyways, uh, I know he's a professor, actually, was a professor at of UT. And he says, man, Tom, he goes, we'll say he goes, but the my wife has got to hear 400,000. And we're at a time when interest rates were about 7%. And I was in there, you know, at six, you know, and they were going to owner carry it. And I said, well, okay, I said, well, how about 2%? And, get, and I was offering 320 and so right. i go how about 2% and i'll give you 400,000 he said ah, yeah he goes okay that sounds good <laughs> so yeah. but if you did the math on that yeah, by the time we got through the loan i would be paying i don't know about the the 80,000 more than i'm giving him here now i'm going to probably save i don't know 40,000 over the term of the loan which wasn't mm-hmm. that long and uh and and so what ended up happening is uh, I did sell the property at a later date. And when I did sell it, I made the sale, but I did something else. I also, you know, when they're ready to come to the table, go to cash with the deal we made. And I said, well, I tell you what, how'd you, what if I told you I can finance the rest of this, the balance of this for 2%? And they mm-hmm. go, I go, what would that be worth to you? And we decided that'd be worth about 30 grand. So at the table, I let them assume the note, which, you know, I just... And I picked yep. up another thirty grand on the sale. So, anyways, go. but yeah. uh, so with terms, terms are you know, you know, like say a lot of people talk about creative finance, and you know, what that usually tends to mean ninety nine percent of the time, uh, it usually means uh, owner financing, from what mm-hmm. I've seen.
0: Yeah, and, no, I, absolutely. I've done a, I've done millions of dollars in owner financing. I'm certainly more the buy and hold guy. Obviously, one rental at a time is very much buy and hold. So, I'm structuring deals. Uh, that i when i do a transaction my intentions to keep it forever um which obviously may i may sell you know for lots of other reasons but that's my sure. intention hence interest rates matter i want to go back to land something else you brought up in your story after the buildings mm-hmm. is land i've never i've never purchased raw land other than a city lot one time uh which i flipped quickly but land's never been a thing for me so so what is it about land that's exciting is it because you can buy it you know, I don't, I don't, tell me about buying yeah, land.
1: I've never done yeah, it. Okay. So I'll just take it back to the eighties. Cause that's where I, I, I yeah, found cool. land is, uh, with land. Okay. So I'm like 25, 26. And I decided hey, I'm going to start building. I have a general building contractor's license and a C6 millwork license. So I start buying some lots in an area around a little lake called Lake, Lake Elizabeth, maybe 15, 20 minutes away from home. And I'm buying these lots up and and i realized hey i can make some deals and i do what i do to make deals so i'm buying lots on average for $10,000 a lot hmm. and uh pretty soon i you know maybe about almost 20 then i took a partner then i almost had 60 between us oh, you know wow. and then i started building homes and i would build a home back then it was easier to get it done but on a 1700 square foot home i could make about uh $70,000 which is a lot on a $170,000 sale it yeah. but but really I was making 50 it's because I was I was buying the lot right I was buying a lot for 20 under market and so you know I built one house and I made you know whatever 70 grand and I got another one going another one going and then but I'd accumulated so many lots I go there's I'm never going to build all these houses so I put the properties back on the market and not all them, but a lot of them and I sold three lots in one month and I made 60 grand and I probably didn't have two or three hours time in it. So I thought, you know what, do I want to make 60 grand in six hours or do I want to make 60 grand or 70 grand in six months? And so uh, that, that was a, you know, a big one for that's, this is individual lots, buildable sure. lots, like any community. And so I started flipping those and like, say, when I reference this book here, you know, I'd, I'd buy a, a a lot for 10 grand. I might put two grand and they'd carry eight. Uh, and then when I'd sell it, I'd sell it for 10 grand, clear out the note. I'd take a note for 20, mm. have 200 a month coming in, yeah. uh, you know, but it's a double-edged sword. I had someone, I let them assume the first and I'd carry a note on the second. And, uh, and, and so pretty soon I had $10,000 a month coming in. And that was between a big sale where I made, I went time I, I sat, got a property for 140. And three weeks later, I had it sold for uh, 520. So that's oh, an, uh, after, after agents, you know, this is like, a, that was the last deal I did in my little book here. And I made that deal in 1989 mm. and I uh, closed it, resold it in, uh, in 1990. And now I had a note. For uh, two thousand, no, I'm sorry, two hundred ninety-five thousand. I had twenty-four hundred and ninety-five dollars a month coming in, or twenty-four fifty a month coming in, ten percent interest again, uh, and they went belly up about two or three years later. But I still resold the note and recaptured two hundred grand cash. But notes can go bad, and people need yeah. to know that if you're in the land game uh you know, values can drop. I've you know, in fact, you see this uh, little license or not license plate, this little private property sign. Yep. Mm -hmm. That was nailed on the fence of 80 acres that I bought. And what's significant, and it's a milestone, it's first property that I lost money on. Mm -hmm. I I, I paid $320,000 for it. Uh, Me and a buddy each put $50,000 in it. Uh, and then we, uh, you know, we paid on it, and then economy got really bad, really bad, and uh, and it was really bad in that area. And that's right. the other thing we should talk about is it can be bad in one area, but not so bad in another. Even yeah. you, know, it can be a devastating here, but you know, like like I was saying earlier, even like where I'm at in Austin, and, and I'm lucky at the moment, anyways, the the values here have only dropped about two point two percent from last year seven point drop since in the next town over and they go down a little bit and they get the loss gets further and further away when you get from this city but it's because oh. the city's healthy you know right. so anyways
0: yeah so when you look at your i'll call it what do we call it 40 year career of real estate investing 40, 80s 90s yeah, long, yeah yeah. yeah. That, that is that's amazing what um what are some kind of life lessons it sounds like buying right is a skill you have to learn. Sounds like, you know, knowing what I call a buy box, your little small area is important. You know, like driving around, looking for those deals, looking for those opportunities. What are some kind of Tom McKay, I don't know, rules to live by or investing rules or what, yeah. what do you think?
1: Uh, we got a handful of Tomisms that people have called them. I like it. Tomisms. And, okay. Uh, yeah. And so, and basically, these are these are just lessons I've learned over the years. And so one is, uh, you know, you can't get hurt taking a profit. And, oh, I like uh, and, uh, you know, I, I have a, a a mantra, you know, if anybody has ever uh, been a, a meditator, they give you a, like a mantra, a sound or something to say, I have a walking mantra. Okay. And it's called easy to do hard to undo. Okay. Mm. Because you get yourself into something. It's a, it's a tough, it can be horrible, you know? Yeah.
0: I like that. And, and, and you do, know what? Hard to yeah. undo. Easy to do,
1: hard to undo. And, you know, cause, and that's one of the things, you know, I, I, you know, I'm kind of tough on the fake gurus that I've seen out there and I'm pretty, you know, outspoken. And the reason is, is because a lot of people get let off a cliff and, uh, you know, I was fortunate and, and it sounds like you too, you know, I, you know, I learned super early about real estate and, you know, and and so I understood the things you know that you got to do to make money. But back to your your question, uh, oh gosh, what else? Uh, I never get think about. It. Uh, he's uh, what was some of the other ones? Old Hank would tell me. Uh, hmm. uh,
0: yeah, well, I'll, I mean, you, I'll I'll let you think about that. Those, there's two, sure. There, there's two more things I want to talk about yeah. uh, with you. Is is I think I've seen here recently. Uh, you're bringing your your son at least one of your sons if not a couple of them along the journey how is it training or helping the next generation of tom uh, kind of move forward it, Is he is he focused on flipping or how is it you know taking your son under your wing and, and what's that what's that like yeah
1: well it's great and it's uh uh my son ryan i, I have four kids and i wrote my book originally it was like supposed to be a path, you know, a, yeah. a path, you know, a, you know, basically a guidebook for them. And uh, but you know what? Who does what their dad does? Not many, not many, not
0: many. No. And mine so, doesn't. And, <laughs> mine yeah, doesn't.
1: I know. And so my kids weren't particularly interested. You know, they've seen real estate, they've sat in the car for hours while I'm looking at stuff. You know, not yeah. the best pleasant thing for them. But but my boys, uh in and I've got great boys, great girls, but my one of my sons. Uh, he actually took notice of some of my, you know, uh, students and, and affiliates, and seeing how they have done extremely well, and that kind of got his attention a little bit, you know, and uh, and so, but now he is working with me. He's only been working with me a few months, uh, and uh, we just bought a house. which bought just we're, we just signed a second house. We're buying. We're going to close it in about a week and a half. Uh, bought another one. I guess it's been six, eight weeks ago. Uh, And that one, you know, we'll, you know, we're going to, we're going to probably make a hundred grand on one, probably make about 50, 60 on the other. And uh, so he's excited, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it's, uh, it's nice. But the other thing is, is for me, it's like kind of like who's gonna run the empire? You know, I got a pretty good sized rental empire here. And mm-hmm. uh so he's learning about everything. I hold a lot of commercial, industrial offices, uh houses. I generally just buy to to flip, to be honest. Uh, you know, I try to buy I'll give tips on houses. I mean, I know you're more of a hold guy, but mm-hmm. I'll buy houses because they're the most, right? I always say yeah. when you look, yeah, you know, there's the most of them. So the yeah, most, they're most liquid. Absolutely. And and also, yeah, most liquid too. Um, so with the houses, uh, you know, I'll accumulate those while I'm trying to find something bigger. So the opportunities aren't as often to find with commercial and industrial. So I buy up houses, you know, while I'm looking and waiting. And <laughs> then I always buy them in the same entity so that I can go to sell them. Uh, uh, and I can, because then they can collectively, they become... Right deferrable yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah and but but Makes to sense. do that yeah and you know you've done 1031s before so but have you ever done a reverse 1031
0: i've looked into it i almost did one but no i i've not actually done one but i've researched them yeah. yeah
1: so the the beauty of the reverse 1031 and it's something i love to do now because what it is is you like i want to get rid of say three houses that i got a million dollars you know equity in yeah. uh and and maybe the basis yeah. is zero so yeah maybe yeah. I want to roll those into a, a commercial property, but I can't find it. Well, now I found one. So let's just mm-hmm. say I, I got one not too long ago. It's an industrial prop. This last one, I found a property for a uh, million six and it was a great deal, like okay. for, worth two point. So I, pay cash for that. Cause I can I pay cash for that. And now an accommodator holds it. So I buy it in the name right. of the accommodator. Uh, now I don't, you know how the, you know, what the pressure is when you sell a property, you got to identify it in 45 days if yep. you use that option. Yep. So now the beauty of this is I, I, I put all three of these houses on the market. I immediately identify the property that I already purchased as the one yep. I'm going to buy, and so that one, all three go up for sale. As soon as one sells, cash goes to the accommodator. Accommodator yep. hands the cash back to me. Second one, and the, and I'm not under the pressure of trying to fire yeah. sale it inside of six months. I got, I mean, right. I got six months. So, so, so that's another wonderful thing uh, yeah. about the the ten thirty one.
0: I love yeah. that. Yeah, reverse 1031 Folks, look that up if you haven't seen it. I guess the last thing to talk about with your 40 years experience is, you know, uh, you've you've been through a lot, right, from gas lines to, you know, rates at 16%, you know, to 2005 then the collapse in 06 and going forward. You know, we're sitting here in 2023, rates are spiking, right? Some would say 8 9%. When you luck out over the next 10 years and, you know, doing this with your son, are you excited for what's coming? Do you look into the future? You know, what do you see, you know, over the horizon?
1: yeah well, let me just say one thing about interest rates because I started in in ten percent interest rates, you know everything that I bought and sold was ten percent interest rates mm. it, that was a low coming down <laughs> from sixteen, and right. so I didn't know that it was high. I wasn't complaining that it was high, you know it, the people that were complaining back then were people that actually had money in the bank because mm. the banks were paying them less and less and less yeah. And, and yeah, so uh what's really different about it right now is so I don't have a problem with 10% interest rates or any amount now where it begins to be a problem is if you have an adjustable rate and it's going up. Okay. Uh, So, so if you're starting in real estate right now, it it really isn't a problem because even if there are 10% interest today, because it, I tell people, look, if you can make a deal and you're borrowing the money at 10 percent, if the deal pencils, you're deal golden. Pencils. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're yeah. golden. And yeah. it can only get better if you think things are going to go down. Then great. Then you'll yeah. it'll just get better when they go down. It'll go up in value and you'll refire whatever you want to do. But uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. it I know there's going to be a lot of a lot of pain, a lot of grief. Mm-hmm. People are going to lose properties. Uh, you know, there's. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've kind of witnessed what I call the stair-step recession. You know, I have a, a apartment building I bought for 1.2. No, I, I bought it for 340000 but it had sold for $1.2, went back to the bank, sold for 750000 went back to the bank, sold for 550000 went back again, and then I picked it up. And this is an 80s era stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, late, late 80s. And so those things are are coming back. Uh, you know, I'm already. You know, we talked about this uh, a week or two ago. Uh, you know, you're starting to see the the guys that put the apartment buildings together, Ooh, anybody yeah. that 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 put stuff together with an adjustable rate mortgage and are leveraged. Short-term in, in
0: bridge debt. Oh, yeah. not good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't, I mean, so I don't think the interest rates, I, I think they're going to go up more and I don't think they're going to go down for maybe three years or, no, you know, you I think, I think so. I don't, what do you think? Uh,
0: yeah. I think, I mean, I think rates are going to normalize in the sixes to sevens. You know, that's kind of where my brain's at. But to your point, I think, I think, I think higher for longer means, you know, run your business like rates are seven and, you yeah. know, don't bet on zero. I mean, the people oh, yeah. that built their business on zero rates, that's not coming back. You're in trouble if that's what your business is built on.
1: Right. Well, my whole deal is I, I have a high standard, you know, of expecting to make a lot of profit. And so if you, and that's what too many people do, they have a low standard of what a deal is. I want to get 10% off. I'm going to get 20% is a yeah. little even, it, but if you, I say, if you set your standards low, guess what? You're going to find something like that Yeah. and your money's going to be gone. Yeah. And uh, and you don't have any wiggle room to get out. So that, yeah, that's what yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, about easy it. to get in, hard to get out. One of your Tomisms from earlier. I, I actually ranted on my daily financial news this morning. I, I screamed, don't do good deals, only do great deals. And now everybody has to figure out the difference for them. Oh, but yeah, you, you need just, that margin yeah. of safety. Yeah. You just
1: reminded my other Thomism, and that is there is no bad real estate, there's yeah. just bad deals. <laughs>
0: oh, that's I like my, that one. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 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 Find the time, the terms, the price, all that. Tom, so much fun talking to somebody who cut their teeth in the 80s, who's now taking the next generation forward. Uh, Where can they find you? What's the book? Tell us all this, Tom, where they can find you. Uh,
1: Yeah. So my book is Wake Up and Smell the Real Estate. Uh, And basically, it's, you know, the first how I made my first million by 27. And that was, uh, you know, right, right in the 80s. You know, it all happened in the 80s. And, uh, and then, you know, just, uh, how I continue to buy real estate even today, uh, but wake up and smell the real estate. And then my channel, uh, flip and, uh, yeah. And of course awesome. the same name on cross social media. but uh, yeah, go. thanks a lot, Mike, for having me. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And again, folks, give him a follow. Uh, I like what he's doing with his son, taking him out on the road, you know, kind of, I call it kicking rocks, cutting his teeth. Uh, and again, anytime you can listen to somebody who actually did this in the 80s they didn't just read a book uh i think it's worth following so tom thank you so much keep doing what you're doing man
1: yeah yeah thanks michael